Hey everyone, welcome to the Reading Project Podcast. Today I have Melissa Wood joining me as a guest. Melissa Wood studied elementary and early childhood education as well as early childhood special education. She's been in the field for nearly 20 years and has a passion for child development. She finds her current role as the early education director for a supervisory union in Northern Vermont very rewarding, and she loves digging into the research to support early learning. As a mom of her own preschooler, Melissa is able to connect foundational skills into her family's daily home routines. There are no workbooks, drills, or practicing. It just happens naturally, and she's excited to share some tips so you can learn how to do that too. All right, let's go. Welcome to the Reading Project Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Ashley DiMercurio from Your Reading Tutor, LLC. I am a private reading tutor, podcaster, virtual summit host, and business mentor. I'm also a wife and a homeschooling mama to my two kiddos. My mission is to help families, caregivers, and educators build stronger and more confident readers one episode at a time. I want you to know that you don't have to be a teacher to help your struggling reader. Over the last few years, I have helped dozens of families and students, including my own son, move from being reluctant to confident readers. And I'm here to show you that you can too. Thank you so much for being here and listening to the podcast. I'd love to know you're out there. So take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to and share it on Instagram. Tag me at your reading tutor. Okay, let's do it. All right. Hi, Melissa. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Let's jump right in. And why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and just your experience related to education? All right. Uh, I was actually asked the question the other day, how long I've been in education, which I think it comes up at the beginning of every school year. And my answer was, I've actually never had a job that hasn't been in education in one way or another. And I'll leave it at that so I don't have to give my age away. But I really have been involved in early ed since I was in high school. I had a job after school in high school. And that's just continued on. And as early education has kind of come to the forefront in a Vermont and now I think nationwide, I've really gotten involved um, a, at the classroom level, but also in kind of the systems level and having a preschooler now uh, of my own, it's really near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Fantastic. And we know each other because we went to college together, which is always really fun. What we actually do in our day-to-day life is very different, but you know, we still have this connection and I I think it's great that we're able to come together and do this today. Awesome. So we're going to be talking about early literacy, but I would love it if you would take a minute to sort of define, you know, what that means to you and and sort of what we're going to be talking about. Yeah. So early literacy, um, you might also hear the term emergent literacy, but it's really what children know about reading and writing before they're actually reading and writing. So it's it's all of those skills that we'll talk about that go into reading and writing. And then obviously helping children develop those skills to become successful readers and writers um, and communicators. Perfect, I really like that definition. So what children know about reading and writing before they actually are reading and writing. That's perfect. Okay. So how does working on these early literacy skills set a child up for success when they do enter the school system? 
you know, literacy is kind of that backbone of everything that we do. I always think back, you know, you often have conversations with people and they're like, you know, we had to do this in this grade or this school and I have never used that skill. I don't think you will ever come across somebody that said we had to learn to read or we learned to rhyme and I have never had to rhyme again or I've never had to read again. So so really helping people develop their literacy skills, their communication skills, sets them up for their future education, their future job success, their overall life success. Um, if you think about even, even your health, like accessing the healthcare system and being able to understand that literacy plays such an important role in that. And then that's cyclical, right? So if you are able to access the healthcare system for yourself, then you're going to be accessing the healthcare system for your child and ensuring their healthy development. And also thinking in regard to like brain development and the fact that 90% of a child's brain development happens between birth and five years old. And that's where you're filling those emergent literacy skills. And so as their brain is developing, you are supporting their, their literacy development in, in that critical, critical time. So it takes them a lot further when they are able to get through those five years with that foundation and then build from it. That's great. And I was thinking, I read recently an article about prisoners and what their literacy skills and how a person's literacy level and like their reading level is connected to the rates like in prison. And I just thought that was really interesting. So a child's ability to read and write and communicate could really impact them in ways you might not even realize or be thinking about. Yeah. And actually a child's number of words in kindergarten is a predictor of future success again in school and in life. Uh, So it really all plays out. And then you think about social emotional development and children being able to communicate their needs and their wants in adaptive ways and, you know, thinking about like the prison system and how, how all that works. If you have a child who's secure in their social emotional development, which does come from reading with a parent or a caregiver, communicating with people, that really, really makes a huge impact. Yeah. So let's for a minute name, like, what are some of these emergent uh, literacy or early literacy skills? Like, let's just name some of those skills before we dive into how we can work on them. Yeah. So in, you know, even at infancy, you're talking about listening to sounds. So, so infants are constantly listening to sounds in their environments. They're making sounds with their mouths They're making noises. Um, and the parent is, or the caregiver is giving that return where they're making those same sounds, maybe carrying on those sounds, making, you know, and just kind of having those back and forth interactions. So there are some skills right there, just working on listening and making sounds. And then again, the parent is, or caregiver is creating those opportunities for conversation and communication. And then you are starting to expand vocabulary. So again, that vocabulary, feeding children words, even those big words, like not having to pare it down, but giving them vocabulary is, is one of those important skills. Learning how to interact with a book and understanding that print has meaning 
right? So, you know, I think one of the most common things that kids pick up on right away is a stop sign. So you have the shape, you have the color, but then you have this word on there and that means stop. And then eventually you'll see, oh, S is also a super popular letter. So, you know, they, and so they start getting the sound to letter and then the letter, the letters make words and these words have meaning. So that's one of the big pieces. Also, I think learning just, you know, about the features of a book. And those are things you can talk to your children as you're reading a book, like this is the cover, right? And this is how we open it and teach it. This is, you know, that there's a right side up and an upside down and how we track from left to right. And that's just the way we do it. So all of those things you can start building on. And, and that's important. I mean, I work one-on-one with students a lot who sometimes have trouble tracking for various reasons, and they have trouble tracking the words across the page, like somewhere left to right. And really knowing that when we start making the sound, so we're trying to sound out these words, we have to start at the first letter and go across, right? We can't start in the middle or start at the end. So those are real challenges for students who don't have that directionality yet. Right. And if you're working on that when they're really young, A, you're working on motor development, right? Especially if they're using their finger to track, or even if they're using some sort of pointer to track, you're working on motor development, that eye coordination where they're working across the page, like you said, directionality. So, you know, you think about the skills that that teachers ask, oh, can you put this on top of your desk or beside your cubby? children are starting to get that through these early literacy skills. And also just the idea of understanding how language works and that you can share ideas, you can tell stories, and you can ask questions through language. That's a huge early literacy skill. Yes. And if you're listening now and you're want, you want to know more about the language and literacy connection, we actually did, I think one or two episodes last season. So I'll have to put the links in the show notes so people can go back and reference because, you know, there's a huge connection between, you know, your, the language and how we speak and how we use language and then later how we read and write. So, yeah. And I think it is an important thing to think about in terms of you know, when you start moving out of that early childhood phase, so early childhood is really considered birth through age eight. Um, but really when you when you start hitting the school system, so kindergarten on forward, you oftentimes children are looked at almost by like academic subject area, like there's math, there's language arts and literacy and all these different pieces. In early childhood, you're really looking at the whole child and how all the different pieces interact, you know, their cognitive skills, the social, emotional, the literacy development, all of all of those things. And it's not so compartmentalized because it really all does have an impact when you're looking at early reading and thinking about tracking. So generally, oftentimes children are sitting in chairs or, you know, having to control their bodies to read or write really. But if they don't have that trunk development, the trunk stabilization, which is part of their motor realm, going to be very hard for them to write and to develop those skills. And so when we do think about early literacy, that learning to write, which comes from learning to draw, which comes from learning to scribble. So when kids are making all those marks on those papers, that's huge. I always tell my son, even when he was two and showing me his little scribbles, I'm like, oh, you're an artist, you're a writer, like kind of telling him, what he's becoming. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. And I think the learning to scribble even, and before that, it's like learning to hold the pencil, learning to hold the crayon and, you know, all of those steps are really connected. And, you know, when I'm working sometimes with my older students, one-on-one, I talk to them about, this is a challenge, like learning to read can be difficult for all different kinds of students for all different kinds of reasons, right? There's a lot of parts and with writing, you know, you're thinking about what you want to write. What does the letter look like? How do I spell the word? Am I in the lines? This is hurting my hand, right? There's like muscles and there's just a lot of parts. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the biggest things, kind of one of the biggest skills, I'm going to put that in air quotes here. One of the biggest skills that we can develop is a love for literacy and learning because that's what's going to carry children through those challenges is to say, you know, I really love this. I know I'm going to get something from this um, and have that desire to move through the challenges to reach that next level. All right. So we've established it's very important. It sets them up for long-term success. And now let's talk a little bit more about how families and caregivers can really work on these skills through their daily life, their activities, their routines, what they're already doing, because we all know, you know, families and caregivers and educators, we're all super busy people, but we here at the reading project podcast, we want to empower you and help you to see that even though you're busy and even though you might not be a teacher, you can still really do these things and you can, you can help a lot. And I love that you have this perspective now of, of having just gone through this with your own child. And so you can use your training and like, how can I apply this to my daily life? Yeah. And I think as listeners are, are hearing my list, they'll be like, oh, I do this. I do this. I do this. Oh, that sounds fun. Maybe I'll try that. You know, it, it really is a lot of things that we're already doing. And again, it's just making that connection and maybe taking it one step further. And I will say, I also have my bonus son, he's nine, and I came into his life at two and a half. And at that point, the bedtime routine was laying and listening or watching an iPad with with his dad. And that was their routine. They would listen to songs and it was super cute. It was a great way for them to bond. And I said, hey, how about we read a story? So let's do one of your songs and then let's read a story. So I'm not anti-technology at all. There's certainly a place for it, but we did shift that a little bit so we could kind of find the best of both worlds and start introducing print. So if you're like, oh my gosh, I don't do anything with books um, because that's honestly where they were at at that point. It's not the end of the world. Right. Yeah. It's not too late. And I know at my house, my family has been doing some shifts in our schedule and what our homeschool looks like. And, you know, we just did a little bit at a time and making some changes and, so you can, you're, you're in the control seat, right? Like you can always make some pivots with that. So. Oh yeah. And I was a preschool teacher before I, I transitioned into more of an administrative role, but let me tell you the difference between teaching preschoolers in a classroom and having my own preschooler at home, just the fact that you're a parent and you are working all day and then you're coming home and you have this kiddo at home, like it's a lot. And things that I did in the classroom don't necessarily transfer to home and it's, it's not so easy. So I don't have a school-based thing going on in my house. It's sometimes it's just survival mode and I'm just doing the best I can. 
Yeah, no, I love that point because sometimes people will say, oh, well, it makes sense to homeschool because you, you're a teacher. Oh, it's easy for you because you're a teacher. But that's a really good point that a lot of the things I did in the classroom, I don't do as a homeschool teacher. It's a totally different environment. But I also love that you said you're going to share some tips and some activities that people are already probably already doing because that will help. You know, I think it's important for parents to, to give themselves some credit. <laughs> They're probably already doing a lot of great things. Yeah. So I'll list five and then I'll go a little more into depth. So play, sing, talk, read, and write. So I'll start with playing. That, well, I personally love to play. And whether that is a toy that we already have, like we'll be building with Legos or it's just some imaginative game, a board game, anything. It's playing with your children and engaging in that back and forth conversation. If it's a board game, looking at those instructions and talking about it, even though we all know instructions are very lengthy and there's a lot of information you don't need, you can always say, oh, let me look at the instructions. Oh, it tells me how to set up and kind of point to that area and just kind of talk through it but play is huge. Acting out stories, it doesn't even need to be related to a book. There are some stories that my kids love. So my husband and I, and this is for my four-year-old and my nine-year-old, they sit on the couch and we will act out popular stories, three billy goats gruff, three little pigs, whatever. We are embarrassed for sure, but we do the different voices. Sometimes we have props. Sometimes we don't like it's any, it might just be like, oh, and she was wearing a shawl and we'll grab a blanket and put it on. You know, it's nothing like super elaborate, but they love it. And sometimes they even ask for popcorn. So it's really just having fun with your kids because that's, again, that's engaging them. It's building the relationship. So sometimes when you're doing not so fun things, they're still bought into it because of that relationship with you. And obviously like tying in literacy aspects during your play, um, like stories or songs, that's helpful, obviously. And then, so that kind of brings us into singing and, you know, we all have our car, our car voices that are awesome and our shower voices. And then you get into the reality and you're like, oh, my voice is awful. Children don't care. So sing, there's rhyme, there's, you know, different sounds of your voice, there's meter, they'll pick up on those pieces and, and start to sing along with you or, or start to sing songs that they've picked up from school or just in the environment. And that's them experimenting with words. And then you'll see they'll start swapping out songs or swapping out words, I should say, and making up their own songs. So again, they're playing with the language. And that's huge in early literacy is that they're comfortable playing with the language. We do a lot of singing at my house and in our life, we are always like making up songs where we put the kids or whatever we want them to do into the a popular song that they know, but we're like changing the words to be about them. Or if they say something like, I can't even think of a good example right now, but they, they, they say something that Sam and I know is a lyric and a song will like burst out into song. And oh my gosh, I'm sure that my kids are, my son probably, he's 10 now. So there's some, a lot of eye rolling going on. <laughs> And, you know, they connect it to their favorite movies too, right? So you have songs that are connected to movies and, and can also be connected to books or YouTube videos, 
if, if you know, you have kids in that, well, even sometimes my four-year-old is like, I really like YouTube. And we try to, because it's such a, a black hole, we try to stay away from him, but our nine-year-old is definitely a big YouTuber, but it does like singing makes a lot of connections. And again, it's, it's about bringing it all together and making it engaging and playing with language, talking. So just having conversations like that are really focused, you know, you're not distracted, you're in the moment, you're listening to what they're saying, you're sharing whatever your thoughts are, asking different questions. One of my favorite questions is, oh, tell me more about that. So it's not a yes or no, it's not a closed question. It's an open-ended question where my son gives me whatever he wants to give me. And then depending on the situation, I might ask again, oh, that's really interesting and kind of picking out a detail and and moving forward. Also, again, with the vocabulary, using those big words, sometimes rephrasing it to also be a little simpler so they can make that connection, but making sure you're getting that vocabulary in and not talking to them like they're babies. I definitely use like a sing-songy voice. That's just kind of my thing until I get really serious, but I make sure to not talk down to, I mean, I would say even when he was two, we kind of got rid of that like little like baby talk kind of thing and just started to have regular conversations at his level, but it wasn't that like little baby talk. Yeah. The, if you are, if you're listen to a lot of episodes this season in the reading project podcast, you're going to hear uh, vocabulary come up a lot. I've done a a few interviews with, you know, different topics, but it's been interesting to see how vocabulary keeps coming up because it is so important. And I think what a lot of us are seeing in education is that kids are lacking vocabulary. And sometimes it's even basic vocabulary. I'll have students that just don't, don't know words that are really important in our day-to-day life. So when it comes to them, you know, being an adult and functioning in the world, right? Like having a basic understanding of just all these different words that we use as adults. Yeah. And really like modeling that language, right? So you're using high level vocabulary and you're using it in multiple, like multi-word sentences, right? You're not limiting, limiting it to two or three words. You're using complete sentences. So you're really modeling that language for them to come back with as well. My preschooler is kind of infamous for the one word command, cereal. Okay, what about the cereal? I want cereal. Oh, okay, let's go ahead and get you that cereal. But the one word thing doesn't work. You know, like really encouraging them to expand on their thinking and their sentences. Okay, I love that. All right, so we've got, we've covered play. Thing. We're talking about talking about talking, uh, moving into reading. Yeah. So again, going back to those read alouds and it's a relationship builder. It's looking at those characteristics of a book. Like we were talking about earlier, the cover, how you hold a book reading from left to right. It has vocabulary in it. You'll be able to ask questions. So it's so rich. And, you know, some of my own earliest memories are from are of reading with caregivers and people I'm close with. And that really develops a love for learning, like right, right on through and, and carries on. So reading, um, and sometimes, you know, if you think about like functional reading too, you're in a restaurant and there's a menu. So now there's, oh, here's your menu. It's the kid's menu. And 
this restaurant didn't happen to put the pictures with the words, um, which is a bit of pet peeve of mine, but reading, again, the air quotes, reading the menu. So you're kind of reading it to them, or they might be based on the pictures, if they do include pictures, read the menu. But again, it's a lot of modeling, and then they'll become readers themselves, whether they're actually reading, because there are going to be words that they kind of pick up on because it means something something to them like mom, dad, their own name. Um, love seems to be a really common word that they pick up on their siblings names. You know, so they start reading, especially if you're rereading those classics. So, so those books that they love that or that you love that you've introduced to them, you reread it and then they're going to start picking up on the common phrases or, you know, the repetitive parts of the book and they'll start reading along. And when you catch that, whoa, I didn't know you could read this book. You're a reader. We can read this book together. And sometimes we will take a book that we know well, and my son will read a page and I'll read a page. And sometimes I'll stay with the words and sometimes I'll I'll go off and kind of match him. Um, so he's feeling some some competence in that, but he, he feels pretty good about his skills. But also um, thinking about like, as we kind of come more into the holiday season, they have books that are like Frosty the Snowman, right? So it's a common song that kids know. Then you get the book and it's the lyrics, right? The print is the lyrics. So they can read that book because the pictures match the words, which are the lyrics of the song. So again, just getting into that print and reading it, whether it's in the environment, you know, the stop sign, the McDonald's, it's a common thing that kids can read. Um, but but getting into those books and really sharing that those experiences. Yeah. So coming, just coming back to the print, I feel like too, like, and, and looking around for the words, right? So one of the things we talked about being able to incorporate these skills into what you're already doing. So if you're cooking dinner, you know, and your child comes into the kitchen, like, making sure they understand that you're like following a recipe or like, I, I'm on step one. I need to see what step two is, what to do next, you know, all of those, those words. And, you know, that's really important for kids to develop. And sometimes I think parents, we take for granted, or we just, we don't realize all the things we're doing in our day that we are teaching our children and how we can even just take it like one tiny step further and just remember to point out, oh, I, you know, I don't know how to get there. So I'm looking at the map or, you know, I'm not sure what time the store is open. So I'm going to look it up and read their hours. This shows me their hours that they're open here. You know, all of those, that all counts. It really, it really does. And that's just modeling your thinking, right? It's, it's, it's verbalizing what's going on in your head. And again, making that connection. So once in a blue moon, I will make muffins like from scratch, but usually I buy the box at the store. And of course it has like the three ingredients that you have to add, right? So it's kind of a popular thing in our house, but my son will turn it over and I'll say, okay, what do we need? And so, so, you know, we've modeled it through time. So first I would show him and I would read it like you had mentioned, like point to it. And then it all also has the pictures um, and say, oh, we need, you know, we need oil, we need eggs and whatever the other ingredient is. And now I ask him, oh, what do we need? And he'll look, he'll say, let me check the ingredients and he'll turn around or the recipe and he'll turn around and point to what we need. So it really is kind of guiding them. And you can see the progression there from, you pointing it out, you modeling it to then giving them the 
go ahead to, hey, you find this information for me that's on this box. It must tell us somewhere. Go ahead and look for it. Right. I think it's so great to model also when you don't know how to do something and you can say to your child, I'm not sure, let's look it up. Or I don't know how to do that. Let's find out, you know? And so it shows them that it's okay to not know everything, right? We don't have all the answers and it's okay and to, to say, it's okay to admit, I don't know, like, let's figure it out, right? Let's look. And you're showing them, you know, whether you're looking it up on the computer, you're, you know, maybe you're going to watch a YouTube video about how to do it, or you're going to uh, read a art- article or some directions, right? But you're showing them that this is how we find out things. This is how we learn. Yeah. And when you do that search, you're really paying attention to details. It's not a big picture thing that you can really just kind of pull out. You're looking at the details, which gets them to attend um, and really focus. And that's a huge, a huge skill when you're talking about specifically reading, where you really have to focus and, you know, start, as you know, the letter sounds, start connecting those letter sounds and take the time to sound out the words. And then, oh, how does this make sense? You know, so taking that time and, you know, using picture clues and and things like that. All right. Let's talk about writing now. Yeah. So writing, you know, we kind of talked about it earlier with, it starts out as marks to scribbles to something that might resemble letters. So, so you're encouraging them no matter what I'm honestly, my son is for, and he still makes these big circles on paper. That's just what he does. And so I always ask him, oh, tell me about your drawing. And he has a story for his drawing. So again, it's connecting what he he put on paper to, to something he can tell me about. And usually it's connected to something else, but there is meaning to it. And generally when you, once he explains it, when you look a little closer, you're like, oh yeah, I actually do see what you're talking about. But also, so obviously like encouraging the children to write and to expand, even if they've drawn a picture. So maybe they've drawn a picture and you say, ah, that I, I can actually see that now. Do you mind if I write that on your paper or, you know, on the sticky note and we can stick it to your paper. So, so you have that drawing and the written connection, but also, you know, thinking about going to the grocery store, you have your grocery list. So either making the list with them, um, that's, that's huge. And I always ask, you know, kids can be picky eaters. So it's always like, oh, what do you want me to add to the list? So as they're telling me, I'm writing it down. And then as we go to the grocery store, they're often the, um, well, my preschooler specifically, my oldest is kind of beyond grocery store now, but he likes to cross the things off on the list. So he crosses it off and every now and then he'll add something and it's a bit of a wiggly line, but it's his print and he'll tell me what it is. So we connect that and we make sure that we get it. But then also it's, oh, you know, I'm not sure what aisle that's in. Let me look. And, you know, it has like number five and it'll say bread, popcorn, whatever. So I'll read down those. So we're again, connecting what we're talking about, the items that we need to the print that's up there. And then we add numbers because I'm like, oh, we need, you know, milk. Looks like it's in aisle one. Can you find the number one so we know where to go? And then he's looking around and and pointing to those numbers. There's a lot of learning that you can do in the grocery store. <laughs> there is. There actually actually is so much learning at the grocery store. I I do that with my daughter. She's six and she's still working on her reading and literacy skills. And and if I have her with me, I definitely, especially if I need to like read the like a label or something, I'll be like, okay, 
I'm going to read, I'm going to look for the product I need. I need you to find five L's, you know, or like five, five products that start with a book, you know, like whatever it is. Like I'm always just trying to, um, have her like looking around and noticing letters and words. That's a big thing. It's really noticing what's your, what's in your environment, right? For kids, it's, it's learning about the world. That's really what literacy is. It's like learning about the world and being able to communicate about the world, whether it's your own world or the expanded world. Right. And there are so many, you know, just to touch on a few other things, my son goes to childcare. So I always pack a note for him. And sometimes it's just a general note, but sometimes depending on like what's in his lunch, I'll, I'll ask a question. And it turns out his teachers actually end up asking the whole class the question. So sometimes I'll throw a skill in like, oh, he might have a lot of foods that start with the letter B. So I'll kind of make that connection and say, what else starts with the, the B sound? But sometimes I'm also writing the note right in front of him. So there are so many things. Pet peeve is like getting ready in the morning, right? You have to get yourself ready as a parent and you're trying to get your children ready. Sometimes you're trying to get your significant other ready. There's so many things to do. And you've told your kids, you know, it's the same routine every morning but it's the same struggle every morning. So making a visual of what each child needs to pack and having it be a little checklist. So again, they're reading it because the text is there. There's a picture there. So they know if they get too overwhelmed, there's the picture or they can't read yet. There's the picture and then the check. So they're developing their writing skills and it's not, you know, we, we, we stick it to our wall or the door. So it's that vertical writing not the horizontal writing. And that again is different motor development, which is a big piece of, of developing writing skills. When my kids were younger, Michael, especially he's 10 now, but when he was like three, four, he loved like writing center type setups. If we would go to like a wildflowers or eventually we ended up setting up one in our kitchen because he was super into it. And it was just, you know, we went to the dollar store or collected things from the house and put like envelopes and sticky notes and lined paper, plain paper, you know, different tools, pencils and pens and all different kinds of things that he could access and stickers for stamps. And he would really get into like writing letters. And we made a mailbox out of a tissue box. I'm pretty sure for him when he was younger. And, and even my daughter now, like a couple of weeks ago, she wanted to, we have a stool that has like a slit in the top and she likes to like drop things down into it, you know, that are male. <laughs> and they love sliding mail for me under the door when I'm working. Oh yeah. The little, I'm sending you a note and you're like, I don't know what this says, but okay. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We've done that. We've sent, you know, sometimes it'll be like birthday thank yous where we'll send out. So we're kind of making that connection. Sometimes it's just a, Hey, I love this painting you just did. I think grandma would really love it. Let's mail it, you know, so then we'll put their address on and send it out. We had for a while gotten rid of our magnets on the fridge and now mainly because we have dogs and they would knock them off, but now we got flat magnets and they're pretty fantastic. So we mess around and, and, you know, my four-year-old will put letters together and he'll say, what word is it? nine times out of 10, it's not an actual word, right? But we'll talk about what that means. Oh, well, it, it says this, but that's not a real word. That's a made up word. And speaking of that, we do play a lot with language. So like when we're out, I'll be like, oh, I'm looking at something leafy that rhymes with shmee. 
And he's like, oh, a tree, you know, if we're going out for dinner, the kids will be like, oh, what are we doing? Uh, we're going out for minner. What? That's not minner. You mean dinner? Oh, yeah. So we really just like play with language. And, you know, to us, that kind of seems ridiculous, but it's really developing those early literacy skills where like words have meaning, sounds are parts, you know, words are made up of sounds and, and we can play with it. And, and sometimes when we play with it, it's a made up word, but it's, it's still some sort of word. It's just a pretend word. And then there are real words. And, and this is kind of how they're made. <laughs> For a long time, we went through a stretch where my son kept asking me to read words backwards. <laughs> like what's December, but if you start at the end, <laughs> you know, what does it say if we, you know, how do you read this backwards? <laughs> Ooh, that was a real brain teaser. <laughs> Yeah, my oldest did figure out when he went through that same phase with names. So my first name's Melissa. Last three letters are SSA. So he thought it was hilarious to ask me to say my name backwards and then spell it. But yeah, it really is just playing around with with that stuff and being free. And even when they're quote unquote wrong, it's not like I never shut them down and say, nope, that's not right like with the letters on the fridge, it's, well, it doesn't make a real word, but let's talk about it in there. You know, like what, oh, you do have a vowel. That's this fun, this letter, but you'd have to kind of have it here. And so we play around with it a little bit. Wonderful. I feel like we could talk all day about this stuff <laughs> between both being passionate about literacy and being moms. Yeah. But let's, we'll, we'll try to wrap it up for all our listeners here. So I always like to end interviews by talking about books. So, um, if you have a favorite childhood book, it could be a book you're reading like every single night at bedtime right now, cause your child's obsessed or a book you love teaching with. What do you have for us? Okay. I actually have like this whole list of books of like my personal favorites, my childhood favorites. And again, like could go on about it forever for a million different reasons. But I will say that when my son was an infant, first I'll say I was that crazy lady walking around like stores, labeling everything and being like, oh, we're going to buy this. We're going to do that. But I was big on like oral language from the get-go. So books were a big thing. So we started reading the pout pout fish and I have pictures of like him and I, so, you know, he'd be on his back in the little, like, I forget what it's called now, the little cushion thing. Um, and I'd be there and I'd have the book above us and we'd be reading the pout pout fish. And so the pout pout fish has, has rhyme in it. It has, you know, sounds where he's like, blub, blub, blub. Um, there's different characters to it. So I had each character with a different voice. So it kind of had its personality of its own. And he would be so engaged in this book. Again, even as an infant, just like attending to the pictures and my voice, there's also a song online. So like in the car, sometimes I would play it through my phone to play on the speakers, the Pow Pow Fish song which I actually do a lot is pull up stories in the car and also just always having books every, I'm sorry, I'm gonna keep throwing things in. Um, just books everywhere, like books in the car, books in the bathroom, books everywhere. Um, but I would say like the pow pow fish is probably my favorite and like 
super great to engage in. Mm, I love that book. And there was a period of time where my, whenever my son was grumpy, he would say, I'm a pow pow fish. And he would like make a face. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a fun book. And I mean, I guess you could talk about emotions in it too. Like there's a, for such a simple book, <laughs> it's really great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Melissa. I think this has been a really fantastic episode and the, my listeners are going to get a lot out of it. So I appreciate your time. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Ashley. All right, everyone. That was such a fun episode. I loved connecting with Melissa again, after all these years, like we said, we, we went to college together and even though our lives have taken totally different paths, we still are using all those skills, all of our education background. So that was really cool. I think that she gave us so many amazing tips and I really loved her definition for what is early literacy. So in case you missed that, I'm just going to repeat that early literacy or emergent literacy is when we are talking about what children need to know and will be learning about reading and writing before they are actually doing any reading or writing before they become readers and writers, what they know, what they need to know. And then how are we going to work on these skills in our home in order to set our children up for success? Because I think that's what, that's what we want here, right? We want to raise readers and develop this culture of literacy in our home. So you're going to have to listen to the full episode to hear all of her, all of her specific activities and the specific things you can do, but her top five things that you need to be doing at home to develop those early literacy skills were play, sing talk, read, and write. So make sure you tune into the whole episode so you can hear the specifics on how to do those things with your kiddos. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Melissa. I thought it was absolutely fantastic and we could have gone on forever. So this one's a little bit longer than usual. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, keep reading. Thank you all so much for listening. It truly means the world to me. If you love this podcast and have found it helpful and you want to help us reach more families, you could do one of two things or both. Just take a screenshot and text your three best friends or teacher friends, encouraging them to check out the podcast or take a moment and head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. I love reading the reviews and hearing what you're enjoying about the show and how the show is helping you at home. And I'd love to be able to give you a shout out on the show and share your review with everyone. So thanks again. Until next time, keep reading.